I could have just let myself stay in bed and then get put out on the streets and not do anything and just let everything fall apart and die. But I, I knew something cool would happen if I just waited and something did. there my name is sean and this is suicide noted on this podcast i talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories every year around the world millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it and when we do talk about it many of us including me well we're not very good at it so one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors Now, we're talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everybody. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I would love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. And you'll hear me ask this a lot of you, our supporters. Please, if you listen on Apple, rate and review this podcast. It really helps people find the podcast. And I believe there are a lot of people that would benefit from hearing these stories. So thank you for that. Today, I am talking with Tiana. Tiana lives in Alberta, Canada, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Tiana. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You're good, man. <laughs> I so appreciate you connecting with me. Thank you. Do you remember how you found this podcast? Because I think you reached out to me and I'm always so <laughs> curious. <laughs> I was looking for thoughts by Ludacris because I was watching Ellen DeGeneres. I know it's really random, but anyways, I ended up coming across a podcast. I think it was called Thoughts of Suiciders. It wasn't your podcast, but it was somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember you were a guest on it. And I thought that the person who was doing the podcast, he was kind of questionable for me because I didn't really like how he was like so unnerved by the whole topic itself. And like that mm-hmm. creates a big stigma in everybody not feeling comfortable talking about it but everybody's been stressed and everybody's been down and some people more than others but like as far as it goes he just seemed uncomfortable with the questions that he was even asking you but you were really like on point with your responses how I was thinking I was I remember there was one thing that just like resonated because I always try to explain to people not to ask me um, a question if they're waiting to respond but only ask me the question if they want to listen don't like be ready for like giving me advice or like telling me what I should do or how I should feel. And I always get bothered by that. And then you said that too, like on your own, you're just like, sometimes it's okay just to say nothing and tell somebody that you don't know what to say. Cause like, that's better than just spewing out some random shit that makes no sense. Yeah. It is so fascinating to me how we learn to communicate or I, I don't even think we really learn anything. We just kind of figure it out. Yeah, it astounds me. So I'm glad we were able to. I'm glad we were able to connect, and uh, you're comfortable enough to uh, to join me here. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm telling you thank you for having the podcast that you do, I feel like if I have a story to tell that might help, I should probably not be hypocritical a little. 
Sure, sure. I get yeah. that. Yep. No, but either way, I, I appreciate it. So obviously this is about suicide. And uh, if you're here, you have attempted suicide, presumably, however you define it, at least once. Is that right? Yeah. I guess, in a matter of speaking, I wasn't trying to save myself, but I also wasn't like, like I was dying, but I didn't call an ambulance kind of thing. Right. So I wasn't ready to try and save myself, but I also wasn't actively trying to be going down that route at the same time either. Right. But in a matter of speaking, it's the same thing. I wasn't trying to stop it either. I was bleeding out and I was like, okay with it. I just texted a friend and told them to come pick me up. And whenever she got there, she got there, right? Yeah. I know. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think it's weird at all. I, um, you know, everyone's got their own stuff they've gone through. Um, when, when was that? If we can talk about it a little bit, how long ago? Almost a year ago now. Almost a year. Okay. It was just last year, last summer, actually, in August. I'm going to ask you a question that... Apparently, I'm not supposed to ask, but I just break some mm-hmm. rules here on my podcast. I try to do it respectfully. What mm-hmm. was going on? You know, we sort of tend to break down or sort of dive in like what what was happening well, in your life that you ended up, you know, going in that direction? Well, in the moment, I was um, I was actually pregnant and I had found out um, later on. But I also I didn't know how far along I was. I don't know how the um, medical system works in the States, but in Canada, it's a little bit different. So like um, I went into the ER because I was concerned about the way I was feeling because I didn't know I was pregnant. I was still getting like kind of periods. I thought they were, but I also wasn't really taking care of myself around that time. So they weren't like I wasn't regular, but I wasn't concerned about it because I was just assuming that was my health or my diet or whatever. Right. So then Mm -hmm. I ended up going into the hospital and yeah, the ER because I was feeling really sick and like whatever found out that I was pregnant and that I might have a blood clot. But then I um, ended up getting through that whole process. And I went home and I was very excited about being pregnant. I went home with my boyfriend and we were uh, planning whatever we were going to do with this kid. Right. I found out in July and then I ended up losing my baby in August. But I didn't think that I was very far along. Like I didn't think I was in my second trimester. So I ended up after the ER, you get sent to go and do an ultrasound. And then the ultrasound tech doesn't tell you what's going on because they can't. So they send you to your doctor and then your doctor tells you and you, like it's this whole roundabout way of doing things. But um, when I went in for my ultrasound, because I thought that I was really early, seeing as how I didn't know that I was pregnant, I assumed maybe they just didn't see the heartbeat or anything like that yet because I was six weeks to eight weeks, roughly. I didn't think that I was, you know, in past three months. So I ended up going and... Uh, not thinking too much of the fact that my, uh, like I didn't get to hear the heartbeat in that, in that, uh, appointment, my doctor's office phoned me after that. And <laughs> they would have seen at this point that my baby wasn't alive. They would have seen that I was carrying it and it was actually not, um, alive anymore. And so they called me to go in to talk about my results, but in the message that they left, they had specifically said no rush. So again, I assumed it was too early to go and see anything. So the doctor's office was probably going to send me again in a couple of weeks to go and hear the heartbeat and check on the baby when I was far enough along. But that wasn't the case. I was actually just carrying a dead baby inside of me for two two weeks. And then um, I ended up going into labor one day because I was past the miscarriage point in my pregnancy. So I was having contractions during the day, but I'm notorious for holding in a lot of pain when it happens. I, I grew up in a very small, rough town. That's just like, if you are, if you're in pain, you just kind of suck it in, hold it down and then, you know, walk it off. 
So I assumed I was having cramps from the miscarriage that I thought I was having. I thought I was having a miscarriage, of course, because there was bleeding, but it wasn't anything crazy yet. And so I was at home and I was waiting for the miscarriage, like the bleeding and my sadness. So I was going to take maybe like a week off of work. And then I uh, actually was in my garage working on a couple of my projects because I'm an artist too and I do metal refurb. So I was refurbing a table and I was in my garage and all of a sudden something was weird and my contractions were closer together. And then all of a sudden, like I could feel that I was dropping something down there. Like I didn't know what was happening. And I ran to my apartment back inside and on my toilet, I gave birth to my baby alone. So that's where the bleeding out and having to text instead of calling an ambulance came into place because I really didn't care if I was alive. And that was last summer. Do you? Yeah, I went you, to fish my kid yeah. out of the toilet. <laughs> so what happens after that? Well, I got my kid out of the toilet and I put him in a bowl and I just cried. Mm. Held him. And waited, I guess. I texted my friend and said to come and get me because I need to go to the hospital. But I didn't indicate really why or anything. And she came in. When she came in, there was blood everywhere. And just me and my kid. Mm. You didn't care at that point. No. If you were I didn't care for about a month after. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to go back to get checked and stuff, but I just stayed in bed. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of support did you have, if any? I didn't have any. I didn't have anybody. No? My boyfriend thought that I gave myself a coat hanger abortion. His sister's the one that picked me up, so she just basically said it was too gruesome to have been natural. <laughs> and then I got left alone by them, and I'm not talking to any of my family. I don't really have any friends, so it was just me. Is that then, or does that also apply now? Friends, family? It's sort of um, kind of consistent. I don't know. I'm talking to my sister and my brother again, but um, my sister actually just had a kid um, around mm-hmm. the same time I was supposed to. I was really scared to go and meet her kid because I didn't want to create any resentment or anything like that. But I have never been so happy as I was to meet that little guy. He's so cute. Mm. <laughs> this is about a year now, more or less, almost a year. Yeah, almost um, a year. Do you, we're, we're like in the past year, these things are almost impossible to sort of like summarize and find words to describe everything, obviously, with the understanding that I don't have the correct words here, right? Are you that's okay, yeah. glad? Yeah. Are you glad? That's not the best word. So I can think of right now. Are you okay with the fact <laughs> that you didn't die? That's about the best I can come up with. I am. Yeah. I am now because um, every time I get to a really new low, and this is probably the hardest that I've ever, like I've been through a lot of stuff and there's been a lot of times where I felt like really helpless and hopeless, but I always know that something cool always ends up happening that allows you to keep pushing forward. And so, although that was fucking something else, um, I won, won, no, nothing's ever going to get that bad again. Cause that was, that was just completely debilitating, but also mm-hmm. I knew that something cool would happen eventually if I kept waiting. I could have just let myself fucking fall on, stay in bed and then get put out on the streets and not do anything and just let everything fall apart and die. But I, I knew something cool would happen if I just waited <laughs> and something did my kid, my sister and I started talking again and I got to hold her kid. Mm. And now I'm just so attached to that little guy because he's so cute and he's sweet and he looks like me. So what is he? Well, I guess he doesn't talk yet, but he will be called Aunt T or Atiana or something like that. Probably Auntie TT. 
Oh, T.T. Okay, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, my nickname was uh, T.T. when I was a kid. Yeah, and again, I don't, I don't want to dwell on stuff that's especially difficult. But given, given, given the nature of sort of the things that people, like you had said, the podcast that you heard, which I was a guest, and how people talk about some stuff, sometimes talk mm-hmm. too much. Let let me know if you don't want to keep going there. I'm fine. I, I, but I wonder when you go through this experience. And there's not a lot of people around. Did anybody in your life, whether that's a friend or a family or your boyfriend at the time or someone in the medical community, did anybody talk to you in a way where it was like you felt okay? You know, you felt like you were, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, because most people suck at it. Yeah. Even if they mean well. Like, most was there anyone around you like, oh, yeah, they suck. Was anyone around who was like, you were like, yeah, no, thank you for just that. It was kind of weird because there was one one person that ended up it was an email and I never even met the woman in person because most things I was getting were people just pushing away from me because I was uh, sad and it's a horrific thing to hear and it's hard to relate to but also most women trying to say oh well it's kind of like when I had this abortion this one time or like or it's kind of like my miscarriage or like you guys you don't have to you don't have to say anything about it it's okay like if you don't feel comfortable hearing it I won't tell you it's really that simple. I am okay with people not feeling comfortable because that's a really fucked up, weird, gruesome thing that happened. Like I wouldn't want to hear it if it wasn't hap- if it didn't happen to me. I wouldn't want to hear about it if I'm being completely honest. But um, mm. when it comes down to it, there's this one little nagging thing that comes to me every single time I think about Mother's Day was especially tough for this because there was this one lady, the first person, and I didn't know I was kind of missing this um, acknowledgement almost that uh sent me a link to grieving parents and it was the first time i got called a parent because mm. i gave birth and i held my kid yeah he just wasn't alive so i don't get the acknowledgement of being a mom that is not fair yeah, yeah mother's day hit me really hard kept having a lot of flashbacks and right now i'm not driving because i got sold a stolen car so i'm in an uber or something freaking just breaking down <laughs> Mm. this cab driver's wondering why and it's literally for no reason we're just going past a string of houses and i start crying (laughs) i don't know how different canada is from the u.s and i don't know if it's something that you've ever thought about i'm just wondering i do i do a lot of wondering if you you haven't figured that out i wonder about a lot of things that's probably why the podcast probably (laughs) probably right 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 you're exactly right do you know if Edmonton or real area of Edmonton, are there like, what kind of support groups would there be? Uh, Not to suggest that you, you want that, but like, yeah, what would be the right support group for someone that went through what you went through? All of the support groups right now, like I've been waiting for this one to open back up because it's a grieving parents one and because COVID literally shut them all down. So I've been just like waiting for this one support group to open, but that's the only one I found either. There's no real support for this kind of thing. And you probably don't know about this, but during COVID, Alberta decided that they wanted to put millions of dollars into mental health to help people right through the pandemic. And I mean, like this isn't pandemic related, but I sure as shit thought I'd be seeing some sort of help like more accessible help out there but there wasn't and i haven't found any that's mm-hmm. free first off because obviously i'm struggling i couldn't work for like a couple of months with like steadily and then i was so completely rattled every fucking time i turned around that i was just like basically part-time at my job because i couldn't go in all the time and now i can't drive because i have no freaking car <laughs> it's just 
Yeah, so it all adds up, and it becomes. Things. Yeah. It becomes. And I've been living alone since I was 16 years old. Like this is the first time I've ever had any like financial struggle since I was 16. I lived alone then, and this is the hardest I've ever been hit with. This is crazy, and I don't get any support or help from friends or family because you have to have those to get that right. So. My sister has a kid and she can't really do much for me. And I don't have any family otherwise that would think about helping me. I have a mom and a brother. My dad passed away. How many people in the world know about what happened? Any part of it. And that includes the obvious sort of the loss. In addition to sort of those moments in which you were kind of, it seems, it sounds like you were kind of okay if whether you stayed or didn't, then you wouldn't have been here. Because Who knows? That aspect of it or the entirety of the story? Because like that yeah, aspect of it. Maybe, maybe either. Summer. Maybe either. I'm just curious. Who, who knows about these difficult things that we all go through in, in, in your case, obviously. Yeah. Either one. Um, mine's pretty low, low on the radar as far as it goes. I don't really like share publicly. Like there wouldn't be a post on Facebook, for example, of me like spilling or whatever. Like uh, people who know uh, were in direct contact. So at the hospital, the people that were there knew. Um, my ex knew obviously, and well, he thought he knew something else because he said the most terrible thing he thought I did, but he knew what happened and made a story about it. But anyways, um, him and his sister, my sister and brother, mom, maybe like two people at work that were necessary to know. It's just, people Mm -hmm. don't really ask. Right. So I don't tell unless somebody asks, it's not really something that I'm going to go out and, and spread the word because I don't like bringing people down. And I don't like that this story is so impactful in a negative way i understand that it's something that's important to know that people go through but i really i like to try and make people happy rather than the alternative so even if i'm struggling if i can make other people smile helps me a little still helps me a little right Mm. that's a little selfish because that's how i think but if i can help other people then i start to feel better too i'm not going to try and bring people down with my crazy story of this horrific event that happened to me unless somebody actually asked me what happened last summer so that's kind of passed now because I haven't been missing any work or anything, new chapter, new this, new that, right? So people aren't going to be asking me anymore. It's not, you know, well, except for you, of course, but, (laughs) you know. Well, yeah, there's probably other people that do Mm. not necessarily this, but they have that kind of curiosity because I I might be really in the great minority. Of course, these kinds of things, most people don't want to hear and it's probably not going to put them in a good mood. But I also think, and it might be, and I'm sort of probably thinking about who I imagine listens to this podcast. They do, I don't know if the words want to hear it or need to hear it, but knowing that other people are going through difficult things in a way, I don't think makes them happy, but makes them feel less alone. Comforted. Yeah, Yeah. that might be the best word. Yeah, or less shitty is my very direct way of saying it. So, Hmm. and I guess that's one of the reasons why I do this is, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, do we want to talk about it? Probably not, but Mm -hmm. this is a very self-selected audience, right? Well, yeah. Very specific person. Yeah, it's people who need to, uh, it also has a small, small sector, probably of morbid curiosity people, but also like a lot of people who just really need to hear that they're not struggling all by themselves. Like there's so much connection nowadays, but have you ever noticed that everybody is like really quick to bash people who feel really down and feel like they want to off themselves? Oh, that's selfish. Or that's a coward's way out. Those are like notorious things that I used to hear growing up all the time because I'm from a small town that's like really, really, they don't, they don't accept that kind of, they'll call weakness. I don't think it's weakness at all. I think that that's just a solid, sometimes people are are hurting and. Oh yeah, I totally agree. It's not weak at all. 
Yeah, I agree with you. People are very quick, depending on the circle or the space, they're quick to do any number of things. And those things rarely include just shutting up and listening. Even on podcasts that are well-known, and I'm not comparing because there's some fantastic podcasts that are sort of broadly under the mental health umbrella, you know, they're they're diagnosing or they're, here's how to feel better. And, And those are all potentially really valuable, but I don't find a lot where you're like, can you just shut up? Yeah. And let somebody share what they're going through. And it might take a little while to deal with it. But There's a huge power in just being able to blurt it out. Like you can ask for certain helpful tips and, and understanding and like look for further help in that sense. But 90% of the time, a lot of the time when somebody is this, like at this point where they're feeling so low and they're bleeding out, not wanting any help, like the last thing they want to hear is for oh for example my my mother and I are estranged like we're she's um not very good at talking to me and this is one of those times where she wasn't very good at talking to me she said why didn't you call me I said when while I was giving birth or while I was crying and trying to you know keep all my insides inside of me like when did you want me to call you in that moment that's your big advice right now is to call me next time like, okay? uh, <laughs> yeah not, not and not to take anything away from your mom I'm sure she's cool but it, it people tend to kind of quickly uh, often they kind of make it a little bit about themselves right yeah like why, why did yeah. you call me it's like hang on hang on why why would i why would i have called you is the question there in that moment right I didn't even that's call a- the ambulance i texted a friend <laughs> like wow yeah that's something wait so had you in your life before or after ever had any sort of suicidal ideation where you thought about that yeah no i there was a time where I ended up trying to think there was one specific time and I can't remember exactly what led me there or why I was in that moment. And I like, yeah, I was really ready to do it. And I can't uh, specifically pinpoint exactly what was going on in my life that created my just kind of uh, spiral downwards. And maybe that's my brain protecting me from that um, moment. But at the end of the day, I do remember I had a knife to my wrist and I was going to do it. And my little cat, he put his paw on me. And just like looked at me and meowed. And then I didn't. And that was the only thing I can really say about that moment. It was like, I was, I was ready. Then I seen this little guy who loves me and wanted me to stop because he could feel my pain. And then, yeah, I don't Mm. know. I just laid with him the rest of the night. Same cat? Yeah. Same cat. I've had this little guy for six years. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So he's been, he's been with you throughout all of this. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's my rock. So yeah, actually, I did have somebody around me. I did. I was my cat. Yeah. So when you when you when you grew up, it sounded like um, you had said something that really resonated about how people don't. Sh- I don't know the exact words because you were you were you were talking about physical pain. People don't show physical pain. There's something noble almost in not letting people know you're in pain. But I wonder, and I might be getting off on a corny tangent here, but does the same go for other kinds of pain? Like if you're depressed or if you're whatever it is in what is it Edmonton I don't know how old uh, you no. are whenever you're growing up yeah yeah I grew up in Prince George BC this okay. is a small town that was um it just wasn't really progressive I guess when I moved to Edmonton is when I started realizing that mental health was real like I didn't think that it even existed back in Prince George it's um that is the uh, place where any difference makes you weak so either you're tough and you aren't hurting or you're keeping it to yourself or you're holding it in you walk it off 
mental or physical health. And that's that. And you're not, um, you're not a tough person or worth much. If you're just, if you're going to let other people see you cry, you're not going to fit in very well is really how it was. And I don't know if it's still like that now because I moved to Edmonton when I was 13 years old, but growing up from age five to 13 is I grew up um, around a lot of people who really didn't uh, show any physical or mental pain. And honestly, I really didn't believe that mental illness existed. I thought that it was people making excuses because that's how I grew up. I think honestly, like I wasn't until I was 18, 18 to 20 ish that I actually started thinking, hey, there might be something to this. I'm 26 now. So it wasn't very long ago that I actually just started opening up my mind to that and believing Mm -hmm. it. Like I just kind of held everything in the same way that I grew up. I mean, I never judged anybody for it, but I didn't necessarily buy the entirety of what people were saying. And that I know that it's not right, but that's how I was. And I know that there's a lot of other people out there like that too. So it's uh it's kind of hard and that's why i really admire the podcasts that are out there now is because there's a lot of towns like that there's a lot of towns where people are feeling really secluded and alone and don't know why they feel that way because they're actually growing up the same way too i'm in pain right. at home and i don't think that i'm allowed to have mental illness so i never take it as an option or an, a thought pattern where i could just talk to somebody and maybe feel better instead i'm suffering but i don't know why i'm suffering right I love the fact that you are being honest about you not being particularly sensitive, mainly because you weren't aware about that Mm. stuff, because that is so true for so many people. It's so easy to say, well, I knew, but no, you didn't. You didn't have that understanding. You're changing, it sounds like, or you're sort of learning things. But I appreciate that so much because we all have a lot to learn and there's all shit we don't know, even though we think we do. Uh, and you are so right. There are so many people, you know, is that, is that a rugged sort of area, like an outdoorsy area? Yeah. It's filled with bikers and hillbillies. <laughs> because there's a huge part of the States and it's in all, or all kinds of pockets, but especially out West, a lot of men, a lot of men in their forties, fifties, sixties, mostly white dudes. I don't think it matters. It just happened to be a lot of white men there and they have access to yeah. guns and there's no mental health. And I'm, guessing Prince George probably fits that description somewhat. They are offing themselves in very high numbers. Part of it's guns, part of it's lack of understanding of mental health, part of it's lack of it's any number of things, but the numbers are very, very high, like double, you know, that's a, you're creating an environment where that's going to happen. You feel like people have it labeled certain ways in order for people to understand when it comes to suicide, for example, This is something that probably, in my opinion only, like maybe I'm wrong, but it wouldn't be as as high like number wise if people just let people feel like they wanted to kill themselves. You know, like why can't you just let somebody feel that way now? You know, like maybe they won't do it if they know that it's okay to feel that way. And I know that there was a lot of me that felt like, well, if I do it and I get to finally like go to sleep, find like rest. I don't have to deal with anything anymore. And I don't think anybody else is going to care. And they're going to just call me a coward anyway. So they're just going to be like, whatever about it. If you know that people are going to call you a coward or ignore you or judge you, you'd be an idiot to say something. That's a completely Mm -hmm. logical response. I think you're 100% correct. And I don't always agree with what everybody says. If you let people feel Mm -hmm. the way they feel. And could you imagine... Whether it's, hey, I am seriously considered killing myself or something just like I'm having a shitty day or anything in between. Yeah. If, if everybody just responded with the following, 
instead of saying anything, this is my own little, they said nothing. Yeah. Literally said, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay right here and I'm not going to say a fucking word for as long as you need me not to say anything. And I want to hear what you have to say. And then I'm just going to thank you for saying it. I mm-hmm. guarantee the suicide rate would go down a lot. It's really, it's really an underappreciated way of dealing with situations. I know that people are always, or like pissing contests, for example, uh, going through high school and I was living by myself. People didn't know that about me when I was living alone. I just let certain teachers would know, but like, I didn't, again, I just like hold things inside if, if I know that it's going to hurt somebody else or make other people feel uncomfortable in a way. So I was going to school doing my thing and I wasn't, I'm not going to say that it wasn't incredibly hard and everything like that. And did I want to scream at the top of my lungs at graduation that I was like, Hey bitches, guess what? I fucking graduated and I've been living alone this whole time. But no, I, I didn't. I just like played it cool. I almost tripped and fell on the stage, but that's another story. I ended up um, being in class one day and there's people who have, and it's almost like it's a, it's a grade level of problems that the society has like created certain bubbles for people where, so a kid gets his phone taken away from his parent because he was out past curfew, something like that. Anyways, I think it was something like that. And he's talking about this to his friends and my math teacher's listening. And he knows that I live by myself and that I'm paying all my own bills. And he looks at me and is like, Tian, do you have anything to say about that? I say, no, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry that happened. I know that that's a real problem for that guy because that's his environment. My environment happened to be different. Doesn't mean that my problems mean any more or less than his. It means that mine just are, are my problems and his are his. So why does he get less credit for feeling upset than I would for feeling upset. Mm. That's not fair. fair. So because somebody has a good life, they have to be penalized for feeling certain ways. But, you know, I'm allowed to feel angry, aggressive. I'm allowed to fall down and be a drug addict and do whatever I want. And I can't have a, a get out of jail free card because I had a hard life. But this guy, this guy, he has a good family, a good home. And he gets to called an idiot when he says I'm sad because my phone got taken away. Like, why is he, why is he an idiot for that? I would be sad too, if I grew up in that kind of household and I got my phone taken away. Man, you're spitting wisdom here. I feel like it's uh, underappreciated. Everybody has their problems. Doesn't mean that mine are any worse than other people. There's people out there with worse things happening. And that's the most annoying thing is we're all going through problems. Well, yeah, I'm trying to talk about yeah. mine right now. That was so, can you just listen? <laughs> like, we're all allowed yeah, to how do you measure that? How do you start? Yeah, you, yeah, you're comparing and measuring. It's like, nah, nah, we're going through stuff. And I get it. Like if somebody's constantly, literally always upset or complaining, it gets difficult. You kind of you kind of want to say, look, just we're all struggling. Just get on with it. I get that. But but have you yeah. created any space for that person to talk or vent before you just immediately That's, go to that? bullshit? There's a fine line. Everybody's like, where do you draw that line? Yeah. You need to start listening. Start it. That's how you start it. Like, just listen to a person. If you could, if there's a pattern, call it out. <laughs> you know, sure, like sure. just gonna keep on complaining. You can say, "I feel like you're constantly complaining." Like, you're allowed to say that to people. They don't have to take it the right or wrong way or like the better way. But if that's how you're feeling in the moment, you have somebody coming to you with the same problem over and over again. Let them know that sure. you're hearing it. It's continuous. If there's anything further that they want to know or hear, or like. If they're going to keep on complaining about the same thing, eventually you kind of have to wait and say, you know, I feel like this is still happening because you're a common denominator at this point. Like (laughs) eventually, eventually you have to say that you need to get yourself out of your funk. If you're not going to, you know, get out of it, then there's another, there's got to be other ways, you know, 
there's always other ways, always waiting for something cool to happen. Do you think that you'd have this understanding of communication if you hadn't gone? I know this is kind of impossible because you don't know what might have happened if your life went in a different direction. But do you think some of the stuff you've gone through has allowed you to be better at, it sounds like empathy, if nothing else. I think I have a really high level of understanding for a lot of people's um, struggles and emotions. And I'm really easy to talk to in the sense where I don't actually judge a person on how they're reacting to certain things. I'm not sure if all of that comes from experience because there's a lot of people who have been through my same kind of upbringing that aren't the same as me. And more or less, they're actually trying to find excuses to get rage out. You know, like people have certain ways that they want to create more problems for other people in order to feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't know. I think that I have just a different way of thinking on a lot of things where I, I try to watch a situation and, and understand what, why it's there and what's going on instead of trying to create um, my own kind of bubble of wanting to feel better than other people. And, or in like, it, I don't want to feel better than other people. I want everybody to feel happy, but I feel like my situation might've actually brought me harder into a different, a different kind of, spectrum than what I ended up being and I think it's more or less just the way I'm I'm wired maybe I don't think that I necessarily have a better understanding of it because of my experiences or less or less because I do know people who haven't been through a lot of experiences like me and they still have an excellent level of understanding and they're able to really relate to people too but that just comes with sure. being able to listen to retain information and understand than wanting to listen to answer somebody or have a yeah. uh a response, right? Like listening to responds different than just listening. Hundred percent. You're listening to react. Yeah, you're sort of waiting, and you got something. You yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're 26. I am. Yeah. And you like doing things with your hands. It sounds like metal making and auto body stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm an artist. I've been one. I taught myself how to draw when I was 10, and then just kind of went up um, from there. And now I I paint and airbrush cars and bikes and machines. <laughs> yeah. So I started doing wow. that um a little while ago. How long ago now with that? Actually it would have been about six years ago now I started. Um I worked at Richie Brothers auction and painted all their heavy equipment. And then I just kind of went from there. And now I'm doing more of the finite auto body work and I have more side clients and stuff like that. But it's been tough without a car. And I always go back to that because it makes me very mad. <laughs> stupid but the whole thing was stupid and it was all kind of on me but that's all right i'll figure that out because <laughs> edmund you're in edmonton yes does this public transport kind of it, not yeah, so good? It's, it's crappy it's crappy plus like when i'm doing side jobs i have to bring all my own tools and my air compressor so um, it's not ideal to be on the bus it's physically impossible to do that <laughs> yeah i have a pretty big oh. air compressor it's about the size of me It'd be really hard to carry that onto the bus <laughs> for real Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You live with your cat. I think I see your kitchen. Looks nice. Yeah. Uh, I see yeah, it's yeah. Looks like it's sunny out today in Edmonton. Do you think you're yeah. <laughs> the rest of your 20s? I don't know. This is a weird question. I ask people if they think they're going to try again. I'll ask you that. Yeah, let me just ask you that. Do you think you might try again? No. No, I don't. But I, I don't ever guarantee anything. I don't think I will, but. Mm. never know <laughs> you never know yeah yeah is there anything around and wh- whether whether it's just around grief or loss or feeling like you don't want to be here or anything else around 
all of this, are there any myths that you want to call bullshit on? Well, I guess one would be that it's not a choice or a choice of cowardice. Sometimes it's just a situation that really fucking knocks you down. It could happen to anybody and it can happen in an extremely random way. You don't have to be a certain personality type for it to happen and you don't have to have a certain life to have it happen. This kind of this kind of grief it kicks you in the ass and it leaves you feeling completely dispelled from yourself. And it takes a lot to bring bring yourself back, but I wouldn't say to anybody that I wouldn't blame anybody who is still lying in bed at this point for lack of a better terms. Like if somebody went through what happened, I wouldn't blame them at all to still be laying in bed the way I was in the first month. It's debilitating that kind of feeling that you feel. It was that kind of loss was completely mother nature can be kind of a psycho sometimes. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The cowardice thing is complete bullshit. The selfish thing is bullshit too. It mm-hmm. has nothing to do with that. It has uh, people who are saying that are the ones who are actually being quite selfish themselves by saying that and to a group of people. Nonetheless, 90% of the time, it's like at a party or something that people are talking about it. You know how many people in that party probably are feeling really down already. And then here's somebody just spew out that kind of nonsense. And I was that person before. And I never thought that it, I never thought twice about it. So I know that it's oh, a myth wow. because now that I've been through it, I know exactly what it is. And that's not like in recent years. Like I said, it was a, it was a back in the day when I was in Prince George, but I grew up sure. feeling the same way. Cause I grew up with a bunch of middle-aged white dudes who were man's men and like whatever. So all I got, I didn't really get many uh, female figures either. I got mostly dudes. I was around all the time and I was just one of the guys I was building fences when I was like seven, eight. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was one of those kind of, places that just kind of create a huge amount of misunderstanding and young kids and stigma too. Won't be going back to live. I might go back to tell them all to get their shit together, but <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, I was just thinking about it as you, as you, and you've said, and you repeated, like you were that way for understandable reasons. So I always think about, you know, anybody who's listening to this, it's not just any Joe. I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are you're, you're seeking this kind of thing. It's always hard for me to think about does what anybody says here can it actually affect change because either you to me you kind of get it or you don't there might be a gray area and if you don't get it you're one not listening to this and even if you are you're not 18 year old Tiana doesn't hear 26 year old Tiana's wisdom the same way like you're just not going to get it you felt the way you felt I'm guessing yeah. right yeah and you it yeah. would be like it would be a hard sell so uh, I'm just sort of thinking aloud, like, huh, wonder how people can maybe get that message and actually do something. It's tricky. Power in numbers. More people know, mm. the more people understand, the more people are okay with saying they feel a certain way. Because uh, sure as yeah. shit, they were all gung-ho for telling me how much of a loser I was if I scraped my knee and cried. If there was more people telling me it was okay to cry than the people telling me it wasn't, I feel like that would have grown up different. True numbers and maybe even one person, like yeah. one person does it that and to me, it almost gives permission for others who really are like, they would do it. If just one person would do it. And that person it does it like that. Alone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that if I'm feeling uncomfortable about a situation, I say it, or if I'm feeling any sort of weird way, everybody always tells me I'm that notorious person that they can feel comfortable feeling or saying anything to, because I'm 
probably already said it really uncomfortably in a really weird descriptive way. <laughs> so, no, I think that it's important for people to just understand that even if the way you're feeling isn't actually how everybody else is feeling, you're going to give a lot of people a huge amount of confidence to allow an open line of communication to feel certain ways. And then people are overall just going to be more happy because everybody's understanding a little bit more what everybody yeah. else is going through. And if people just put down their own stuff for a second and understand that life isn't about only how you're feeling. It's about other people too and how you interact with others. And like yeah, an overall group of people who are mad are going to impact that one happy person to be mad too. So why can't everybody just try and create an environment where everybody's happy? And then that one person that's feeling really low and sad can maybe feel better because of the energy that they're surrounded by too. Like they know that they can talk and they know that they can feel certain things and they know they can grow and be better too. Good questions. I wish I had answers. They're good questions. Yeah. <laughs> I am sure you're a very good and he's a lucky kid. Do you, I have one other question and it's a sensitive one. Do you want to try to have kids? I do. Yeah. I want to have a kid. I just know that oh, whenever I do get pregnant again, it's going to be a very, very long nine months. Yeah. <laughs> stressing over every single little thing. Sure. But yeah, of course. I want to, I want to have a kid more than anything. Well, I'm glad you're still with us and I'm glad we connected and I really appreciate you sharing and cool. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, having me on the show. I really didn't, you kind of caught me in a moment where I was like, oh shit. I guess I got to share my story now because I was like, oh, he's so cool. I got to tell him to keep up the good work. And you're like, do you want to share? I guess. Yes. No, no yeah. This is <laughs> nobody gets around those questions that, that we always go there. And you know what? And I grant, of course, people who are joining me here, you know, it, it's not anybody. It's a certain particular group, but everybody has shared. Now, granted, some share more than others, but I am so grateful for that that people mm -hmm. do talk about this stuff so thank you yeah well no thank you <laughs> all right talk to you soon tiana i hope today goes really well all right you too talk to you later bye bye Ciao. as always thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to tiana out in alberta canada thank you tiana if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And I know I say this a lot, but if you listen on Apple, please rate and review this podcast. It helps people find it. And there are people that need to find it. That is all for episode number 70. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.